I just got invited to give the commencement address at Harvard this year. That's amazing. I remember you did it 10 years ago when Priscilla graduated. I was there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, 30 years later than I was supposed to, but uh, I enjoyed it. They know we didn't actually graduate, right? Oh, that is the best part. They actually give you a degree. You don't even have to go to class? No, no. You just put that degree on your resume and it looks great. Can you help me figure out what I'm going to say? Yeah, we should work on it together. Let's go get some more snacks. All right. So you get to wear the hat and everything? Yeah, you bet. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you, I don't know what that was either. We all debated whether we were gonna show you that thing because it seems to be making its rounds across the internet. Of course, that's Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates talking about Harvard. They're both Harvard dropouts and I guess they became successful in you know, world domination and everything else. But what two weirdo like, they don't come off as human. They are humanoid, lizard, something or other, very uncomfortable. I don't like it very much. Anyway, it's January 3rd. 2024, that's right. We are live streaming on Rumble, Locals and YouTube, uh, post-game show, rubenreport.locals.com as always. And uh, of course, the big news of the day is that Claudine Gay has been, uh, well, she's gonna, not fired, right? She's not officially fired, she is uh, resigned. She has resigned as president of Harvard, although she will stay on in the political science department, which is just sort of absolutely perfect. Like, oh, you know, you're for genocide, all the plagiarism, go be a poli-sci professor, that'll be just fine. Uh, but it is a major win. It is a major win against the woke, and today's show is gonna be a series of wins that we are getting uh, against the woke. One of the things we're gonna start with is this absolutely spectacular video. It's from about a week ago uh, during the break, so some of you may have seen it already, but Douglas Murray, uh, went up against Cenk Uger from the Young Turks on what's going on with Israel and Hamas. And it is one of the most absolutely beautiful chef's kiss moments ever in the history of television. And I'm going to dive deep into how when you get the wins that we are starting to get, when you expose the, the frauds and the grifters and everything else, that you keep pushing, you keep pushing. You don't say, oh, we got a little win, let's go home. No, you keep pushing. Uh, because that actually is how we will change things over the long term. So that's the plan for today, and let's just dive right into it. We've got two clips of this. Uh, Douglas Murray, the brilliant Douglas Murray versus Cenk Uger on Israel Hamas, part one. I just mentioned about seeing wars, because as far as I can see, you're very ill-traveled as well as rather ill-lettered and ill-spoken. And I mentioned that I cover wars and go to wars because I happen to think myself that it's worth seeing things with your own eyes, including things that you don't particularly like, but you report the truth. I don't know if you ever even leave your own bedroom. And I can tell already that you don't because you've already said something that demonstrates you know nothing about this conflict. You have just demonstrated it in the following terms. You said that this is why we need to push for a two-state solution and give legitimacy to the Palestinian Authority. I'll tell you something you don't know because I guess you spent no time time in the West Bank, have you? I'll tell you something you probably don't know. The Palestinian Authority, Fatah, celebrated the 7th of October massacres. I'll give you another fact which demonstrates you know nothing about this and clearly haven't ever visited any Palestinians in the West Bank as I have. If there was an election tomorrow in the West Bank, the reason why there isn't one is because if there was an election tomorrow in the West Bank, Hamas would win. 
So your idea of a two-state solution, I'm afraid, you are so out of date and you really should leave your bedroom. Because in this region, nobody thinks that there is a two-state solution on the table because there is not a viable negotiating partner. But I just want to make one other main point. You have gone on and on tonight throwing accusations out against the Jewish state, against me. It's the sort of thing you do. I know you're a sort of, sort of online pugilist and think you can run for office, and <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, there's just nobody better. Like, Douglas is grade A perfection at just dissecting the truth and, and surgically destroying all of the grifters. And Jank is an absolute grifter. Of course, it should be noted that I did work for Jank at the Young Turks years ago. And in some ways, I thank him because if it wasn't for him being such an over-the-top, ridiculous leftist buffoon and a racist, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that I could go on and on about, and they talk about me all the time over there. This is only the second or third time I think I've ever mentioned him on this show. And I'm only doing it to illustrate Douglas's brilliance, not to go after him. Um, it's just perfect what Douglas did there. I want to just reference a couple of things. First off, the idea of a two-state solution is complete nonsense, and it has always been complete nonsense. Of course, the West Bank and Gaza aren't even connected, so you'd have Israel in between, so that would be a three-state solution. Douglas also illustrates the point that you'd have Hamas running these states. That would be a problem. Uh, also, the Palestinian Authority, which is what uh, Jenk was calling for to, to run the West Bank, and they sort of run the West Bank right now, they literally pay people to kill Jews. That would be uh, problematic. But Douglas just kind of lays it all out perfectly, and, and the fact that Jenk just sat there, and he's such a bloviating buffoon, just sat there and took it, shows you that he really knew uh, he was being eviscerated. But here's part two where it really gets good. But I'd just like to point out that you only really get animated if the Jews are involved. And I can tell that for the following reason. I mean, your surname's Uyghur, isn't it? One million Uyghur Muslims in China have been put in concentration camps in the last decade. And pe you know, people of your ilk never really care about that, do you? Because it's not the Jews doing it, it's the Chinese Communist Party. At the moment, one million, one million people who are, from who are in Pakistan at the moment, who are your fellow Muslims, and who happen to be Afghan, and I don't think you care about them, do you? One million Afghans are currently being forcibly deported from Pakistan to Afghanistan. You don't care about that. You're not riled up about that. You're not riled up about what the Jangaweed are currently doing in Sudan, where thousands and thousands of people are being attacked by the, by the, the Islamist militia there. You don't care about any of that. You get exercised and you rile up what little base you have of malcontents because you're riled up when the Jews do anything. All right, it's Jenk. perfectly uh, obvious. Okay. I don't even know, need to show you more of that. He then calls uh, Douglas a racist, and that's how it ends, because, of course, that's all they've got. But this, this notion uh, that Douglas is hitting on, this idea that these people, and Jenk is a perfect example of this, they don't care about the Uyghur genocide in China. They don't care what's happening to people in Syria. They don't care that the real Palestinians, if there were real Palestinians, are actually living under apartheid in Jordan, the Hashemite kingdom of Jordan, which doesn't allow them to have certain jobs and doesn't allow them to vote. And that in Lebanon, there are all sorts of jobs that they can't have in places that they're not allowed to live in, all of those things. None of those people care about that. It only matters 
when it's the Jews. Now, I bring this up because it is deeply connected to what happened yesterday with Claudine Gay resigning as the president of Harvard. The frauds are being exposed. When you put everybody in that matrix of oppression and you say these people are automatically the bad guys because of their skin color or whatever, and these people are automatically the good guys, you build up a world and you build up institutions like Harvard and so many of our media institutions that are completely fraudulent. And now, finally, after all of these years, after all of us talking about this for so long, it has burst forth in, in sort of the most disgusting way, right? The last three months, it's burst forth because of the horrific medieval barbarity of Hamas, but it's, it's, shone, it's shined a light on so much of what's backwards right now. And I think good people are actually starting to get it. So we're gonna expand on that in just a second. But let me talk to you about the satellite phone store. Guys, are you in the need for a satellite phone, you know, they're about to drop some of this Epstein list and uh, you know, you never know what they're gonna do once they do that, so you might wanna get one. Uh, well, sat123.com has made it easy for anyone to get one. Sat phones are a secure way to communicate with no tracking and no one can listen to your calls or read your texts. The Immersat iSat satellite phone is free on a 15 month agreement, limited time only. An extra free battery is also included, 95.95 per month, no cost for the phone, 100 minutes or text are also included. Family plan multi-free phones are also available. An extra free battery for each phone is also included. These phones will work from anywhere on Earth. Cell phones work on only 7% of the Earth. If you can see the sky, you will be able to make a call. If the cellular networks go down, you'll still be able to stay in communication with loved ones, but satellite phones will always work. All satellite phone communications are encrypted. Ensure privacy by using proprietary satellite networks entrusted by the US government for decades. The US Senate recently issued a satellite phone for private calls and security. Satellite phones can't be tracked. Big tech can't access your data. This year in the US, we experienced Maui cell phone service going down on 90% of the islands, 60,000 people stuck in the desert where only people with sat phones were able to communicate. Hurricanes that took cell service down, be prepared, be prepared. Go to sat123.com and get your family ready. Christmas time has just passed, but you can still give a gift in security and connections. There you go. All right, so let's connect the frauds, the grifters, the liars, the wokesters, the people who have pushed faux racism on all of us, decided who good guys and bad guys are based on immutable characteristics. They are being exposed at accelerating rates. Uh, but let's go back to what sort of blew this whole thing up. Uh, you may remember this right before the break. This is the congressional hearing uh, where Claudine Gay, president of Harvard, could not figure out whether calling for the genocide of Jews violated the code of conduct for the students at Harvard. And Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. What's the context? targeted as an individual, targeted as, at an individual. It's targeted at Jewish students, Jewish individuals. Do you understand your testimony is dehumanizing them? Do you understand that dehumanization is part of anti-Semitism? I will ask you one more time. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? Anti-Semitic rhetoric. And is it anti-Semitic rhetoric? Anti-Semitic rhetoric when it crosses into conduct that amounts to bullying, harassment, intimidation, that is actionable conduct and we do take action. So the answer is yes. 
that calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard Code of Conduct, correct? Again, it depends on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. These are unacceptable answers across the board. All right, it's worth noting again, and I know you guys know this because you're wise people who watch the Rubin Report, that her uh, line there, when she says it crosses into conduct, uh, the implication is that you can say whatever you want, but it's not till you beat the kid or you kill the kid or you commit the genocide that they'll do anything. Now remember, this had nothing to do with the First Amendment. We can talk about that little bit of gray area related to calling for genocide of a group of people that is protected by the First Amendment. There is some gray area there, whether you're specifically talking about these people right in front of you or a group of people, there's something to discuss there. But this hearing was about the code of conduct, the policy that Harvard has. That's not a First Amendment government policy, that is a handbook that they hand all of the students and they say, hey, here are the rules that we have here at our university related to how you're gonna treat fellow students. So she completely dropped the ball there. Of course, she wasn't the other one. There were a couple other college presidents there. Uh, Liz McGill uh, from Penn has already stepped down. Uh, but she really stepped down for another reason. The reason she stepped down was because after that hearing, uh, Chris Rufo from the Manhattan Institute, who's been on the show many times, he's a, he's a friend of mine, he's a good guy, uh, and he has been one of the main I would say drivers of destroying the woke institutions, he started doing a little research. Got a couple people with him and they started checking into Claudine Gay. What's the deal with her? And a whole bunch of plagiarism, including stealing from other black female academics was exposed and yesterday she officially resigned. We've got some info here from Abigail Anthony at the National Review. Harvard President Claudine Gay announced her resignation on Tuesday, culminating weeks of mounting pressure that began after Gay's widely criticized appearance before Congress and escalated due to high-profile reports of plagiarism in the embattled academic's published work. Gay served as the Harvard president for six months and two days, and her resignation ends the shortest presidency in the university's history. It has become clear that it is in the best interest of Harvard for me to resign so that our community can navigate this moment of extraordinary challenge with a focus on the institution rather than any individual. Gay wrote in an email to the Harvard University community announcing her resignation obtained by the National Review. Amidst all of this, it has been distressing to have doubt cast on my commitments to confronting hate and to upholding scholarly rigor, two bedrock values that are fundamental to who I am and frightening to be subjected to personal attacks and threats fueled by racial animus, Gay continued. According to the statement, Gay will return to her position on the faculty. While President Gay has acknowledged missteps and taken responsibility for them, it is also true that she has shown remarkable resilience in the face of deeply personal and sustained attacks, reads an email by the Harvard Corporation. While some of this has played out in the public domain, much of it has taken the form of repugnant and in some cases racist vitriol directed at her through disgraceful emails and phone calls. We condemn such attacks in the strongest possible terms. The Harvard Corporation released a statement on December 12th reaffirming its support for Gay's leadership of the university. According to the statement, the fellows of Harvard College initiated an independent review of Gay's published work at her request, and on December 9th concluded that there were a few instances of inadequate citation. While the analysis found no violation of Harvard's standards for research misconduct, President Gay is proactively requesting four corrections in two articles 
to insert citations and quotation marks that were omitted from the original publications. The statement continues. National Review reported that the scholars who believed their work was plagiarized by Gay were not contacted by Harvard during its investigation. Lee Jessam, a social psychologist and distinguished professor at Rutgers University, told the National Review he's never seen anything like the plagiarism scandal involving Gay. The total of unique plagiarism allegations against Gay has risen to nearly 50, the Washington Free Beacon reported. Okay, so two things are happening here, right? On one hand, she won't say whether calling for the genocide of some of her students uh, is bad or not. That's a problem, whether that's a violation of their policies. And then she gets caught in over 50 counts of plagiarism. These are the same types of counts of plagiarism that would get any student at Harvard kicked out. Now, I'm not for anyone calling up the university and saying mean things about her or saying anything racist or anything else, but you can see that the Harvard statement, it's trying to portray she's the real victim here, right? She's the victim, because clearly they're going after this black woman. Colin Wright, who's an author, he's been on the Rubin Report a couple times over the years, uh, he tweeted this out, I thought it was quite good. Prediction, Harvard president Claudine Gay will resign but she will not admit any wrongdoing. Instead, she will claim to be the victim of a racist right-wing witch hunt that is impacting her mental health and causing for a needless distraction for students and faculty. And you can already see, of course, this is exactly what's happening. Everyone is saying the right-wing media, the conservatives are pouncing and this is proof of systemic racism and they would never treat a white person like this and everything else. Now keep in mind, Liz McGill, who is the president of Penn, already stepped down. She didn't even have a plagiarism scandal, right? She just stepped down because her answers at the congressional hearing were equally as bad and she's white. So they took out a white woman and now they're taking out a black woman. If anything, you would say, oh, you've done more bad stuff, Claudine Gay, because you've also got the plagiarism scandal. Let's uh, go back about seven months ago to when Claudine Gay got the gig at Harvard. And here's the mainstream media telling you how wonderful this woman was. And you're not going to believe why. Well, she's black. Harvard University making it history by naming its first black president. Well, for the first time in history, a black woman will lead Harvard University. Some more good news here. A Stanford alum and former professor has been named Harvard University's first black president. Their very first president of color. She will be the first person of color. First president of color. Claudine Gay will be the first president of color and second female president in the school's history. She's also only the second woman to hold that position. She will be the second woman and the first black person to lead the university. She was born to Haitian immigrants. The daughter of Haitian immigrants, Professor Gay is a widely admired higher educated, uh, higher education leader and recognized as a highly influential expert on American political participation. Harvard has always found a way to meet the moment. We have a long history of rising to meet new challenges, of converting this energy into forces of renewal and reinvention. I'm clapping for her. Yeah. Can anyone remind me what color and gender she is? I can't remember. So anyway, that's of course the way it was framed, right? That she is black and she is a woman and son or daughter, whatever, of immigrants. Apparently she's also not actually gay, which is hilarious. But just remember for just a second, had that congressional hearing happened and she was up there with the president of UPenn and the president of MIT, had she gone up there 
and said, you know what, actually, uh, calling for the genocide of Jewish students here at Harvard, uh, that is a violation of our standards and practices, of our, of our policies, and uh, we're gonna do more about that. This scandal would have completely gone away. She would have answered the question properly. People would have been like, boy, Liz McGill and the MIT lady, they really dropped the ball on this thing. Uh, but that Claudine Gay was pretty good. She acknowledged that there is a problem there. So this has nothing to do with a group of people unjustly going after her because she's black and a woman. It is because of her faulty, uh, that's not even really the right word, her really just absolutely negligent answer uh, while she was testifying, and then of course the plagiarism scandal. So okay, so we just showed you a compilation of what the me mainstream media was doing when she was hired in the first place. What we are now gonna show you, I know I say this every now and again on this show, but this might be, this might be it. This might actually be it. This might be the most insane thing ever uttered on cable news. This is absolutely extraordinary. This is a guy by the name of Matt Egan on CNN, and he's explaining a bit about her plagiarism scandal, or was it actually plagiarism? Listen to Matt. These plagiarism allegations, uh, where Claudine Gay has had to issue corrections, um, multiple corrections. Now, we should note that um, Claudine Gay has not been accused of stealing anyone's ideas in any of her writings. Uh, she's been accused of sort of a, more like a copying uh, other people's writings without attribution. So it's been more sloppy attribution than stealing anyone's ideas. But nonetheless, you, you put all of that together. I'm sorry, we have to throw back to that one. Can we throw back to that? That is just incredible. She didn't steal ideas, she just copied and pasted. Can we do it These one more time? plagiarism allegations, uh, where Claudine Gay has had to issue corrections, um, multiple corrections. Multiple now, times. we should okay. note that um, Claudine Gay has not been accused of stealing anyone's ideas. Yes, in any that's what writings. she's accused of. Uh, she's been accused of sort of, a, sort more of, like a copying more like, uh, other people's writings without attribution. So it's been more sloppy attribution than stealing anyone's attributing ideas. But the stuff nonetheless, that you stole. The way they carry water for these people, you do not hate journalists enough. You really don't. The corporate press, as my friend Michael Malice always says, the corporate press is the enemy of the people. That is the most absurd. She didn't steal, she just stole. Uh, anyway, let's go over to the televised mental institution known as MSNBC, uh, because of course they're blaming I think the gotcha mentality, though, is in fact the point. Let's just be very clear. Mm. The testimony from the president's horrific. So they, they, the horrific. It was absolutely terrible. They answered a human question with an academic answer uh, that they were prepped by their universities, quite frankly, to give. So that's and law all. firms. And terrible, law firms, terrible okay. Staff work terrible staff work, all... okay, <laughs> yeah. across the board. But on top of that, what happened in the aftermath of that, particularly as it relates to Dr. Gay, uh, the calls came and said she was terrible in this hearing and she's unqualified. In 387 years, only two women have been president of Harvard University. One, the first woman was before Claudine Gay, only one black woman has been president. And that black woman now, six months after, uh, has resigned from her job because, in, look at the statement, it's in the best interest of Harvard to resign so the community can navigate with focus on the institution rather than an individual. Harvard decided that it was unweather to, un, unable to continue to weather the storm. And while I don't think the culture wars, frankly, that play out on campus 
businesses across the country will eventually have a, the biggest effect in general come 2024. What will have an effect, as Doug said, is how Jewish students feel on college campuses, how Arab American students feel on mm -hmm. college campuses, and how every black professional in America can turn on their television today, see this news about Dr. Claudine Gay, and, and all have the same reaction. Mm. It, looks, it, it, it looks as though she was targeted. It's interesting but, stuff. But you, own, you said she was horrific, and then we had a series of scandals. She's the, she then targeted herself. Again, she was worse than cockfighters in testifying before Congress. Yeah, I mean, That's I guess a low I, bar. I guess I will just say this, is that, you know, again, 387 years, I, much like when we talked about classified documents with former presidents and vice presidents, and I have said, you know, there's no protocol in which to pack up a, a president or vice president mm -hmm. leaves office. And I think if you go to any home of a former president or vice president, you might accidentally find a classified document or two. Not necessarily nuclear secrets, but, you know, maybe a piece of paper that they shouldn't have took out. Same thing. Look at all what other presidents of Harvard have been investigated for plagiarism. And if we want to be very specific, which I think we should, they, the, the issues of plagiarism, it is loose citations. Again, not something Sometimes, I would want, I would want to do, but I'm just, all I'm saying Some of it was loose citations. Some of it was pure old-fashioned plagiarism. There's so much there. It's like, what do, you, what do we even do with this? But it's not plagiarism, guys. It's loose citations. They rewrite history right in front of us in real time. It's extraordinary. Imagine if a kid at Harvard, it doesn't even matter what discipline they were in, hands in a paper, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that they just copied and pasted. They didn't plagiarize it. They just copied and pasted. They borrowed ideas. They loosely this and that. You would be kicked out of school. So she's just resigning and now will be a professor of political science. Of course, of course, political science. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other stuff there. I don't know exactly what uh, uh, Simone Sanders was trying to say about how uh, Jewish and Arab students are now going to feel on those campuses. But the idea that somehow, again, they're going after her because she's black, I have no problem. If, you, if somebody out there, if Simone or any of you people who are always trying to tell us all how racist we are, why don't you guys do some digging? And every white college president who has done the level of plagiarism that... Uh, Claudine Gay has done should step down or should at least be exposed and then the school can decide what to do, right? Like, of course, this has nothing to do with racism. And again, Liz McGill, you pen, she already stepped down. But what did I say was the, the theme of the show today? The theme of the show is that when you get these wins, right? When you blow up an absolute fraud and grifter like Cenk Uger as Douglas Murray did, or you get a win by having the plagiarist, let's say, at least somewhat racist or just deeply stupid because of intersectionality, Claudine Gay have to resign. When you get some of these wins, you gotta keep going, right? There's an inclination to just take your foot off the pedal and be like, oh, we got a couple wins, you wanna have lunch? But you got to keep going because we actually are in a culture war right now. So uh, representative, New York representative, Elise Stefanik, who is the one that was doing the questioning during that congressional hearing, uh, she was on Fox yesterday talking about how they are not going to stop pushing on this stuff. This congressional investigation is not going to stop because of the resignation of these university presidents. There are deep institutional rots in these formerly prestigious universities, whether it's their DEI offices or whether it's their anti-Semitism that we see raging on college campuses. So I think the investigation is going to uncover much, much more. This is just, you know, about the university president on top of the institution, but it's an institutional rot that we are addressing because these colleges get billions of taxpayer dollars. 
And I believe, as we continue our congressional investigation, that we will uncover what will be the greatest scandal in higher education, because the Harvard Corporation members themselves are complicit in this cover-up of her plagiarism, and again, most importantly, their failure to protect Jewish students on campus. All right, that's the right spirit. Again, you get a win, and now you keep going, what's really going on at Harvard? How much discrimination against Jewish students, Asian students, white students have they been doing over the years? Did they get a whole bunch of professors who were not qualified, who were plagiarizing, and a whole bunch more, who had all sorts of awful ideas related to Marxism and communism and wokeism and everything else? Did they all rise up the ranks while they took good professors out? Did all of those things happen? Probably. I'd like to show you another clip of Fox. They had a really fantastic guest on yesterday, this guy, Dave Rubin. He was on to discuss this, and I thought he made a really good point. Let's watch. You know, she alleges that that her mistakes, the plagiarism accusations were all corrected. But the Harvard Honor Council, which is a student group, says that students are not allowed to correct mistakes without penalties. So why should she be allowed to all of a sudden just go on after saying, well, we fixed all those uh, accusations? Yeah. Well, Trace, let me answer your previous question very clearly. This is because of the plagiarism thing, not the anti-Semitism thing. These schools and schools that have allowed DEI to enter and put everybody in this insane matrix of oppression, where again, Mm -hmm. Jews and white people are sort of at the top of it and black and brown students are at the bottom, thus they are the oppressed and can say anything that they want about the perceived oppressors. That's not what got her fired. What got her fired is that they now have all of these instances of plagiarism and the very students who would be kicked out of school or at least kicked out of certain programs for doing just this. Even this is too blatant right in their faces. So that's really why she's getting fired here. There's always pressure to bear, but Mm -hmm. as you noted, the board had already backed her when it came to that. It's only since the instances of plagiarism have come out that they finally did the right thing. But again, I think it's worth mentioning, you know, the question always with these these people is, okay, who's going to replace them? And is there any evidence that Harvard will suddenly get someone in charge that will be based in meritocracy and competence and anything else? Or have they already gone so down that rabbit hole of DEI and wokeness that they'll bring in someone worse? generally how they do. We got to play more clips of that guy. I mean, it's nice when you get somebody on cable news who knows what they're doing. Uh, look, the point there is, I, I think the, the latter point that I was trying to make that, and this is what happens with everything, right? When you are part of this woke thing, uh, when you are a Democrat politician, what do I always say? Like the only privilege in America is Democrat privilege. You fall up, right? You fail up. So you destroy San Francisco. If you're Gavin Newsom, you become the governor of California. Like all of these things, you know, you're, you're Brian Stelter on CNN. Your show gets canceled because you're awful. You become a professor at Harvard. You're Lori Lightfoot, mayor of Chicago. You destroy the city of Chicago. You become a professor at Harvard. It's interesting that Harvard seems to be the epicenter of so much of this. So I have no great Uh, I have no grand illusions here that suddenly Harvard is gonna bring in somebody who's gonna fix all this. As Stefanik is pointing out, the rot is so deep, the institutional rot there is so deep over so many decades, right? They took over the institutions. They have instituted all of these backwards, crazy, racist ideas. They have taught children what to think, young people, I should say, they've taught young people what to think instead of how to think. And can any of it be saved? I have no idea if any of it could be saved, but I do wanna mention one other thing, which is, that again, I just want to reiterate, she is not being fired because of the anti-Semitism thing. Liz McGill was, 
right? They just, they were like, all right, we'll take her out. Claudine Gay could have skated by, by being a black woman. Like it would have been enough to get her through the anti-Semitism thing because of that oppression of uh, Olympics that these people view everything through. It's only because of the plagiarism thing. The, the black woman thing, that card would have got her out of it. Uh, anyway, as this fight has raged on, we're seeing a real disconnect right now between the way that the mainstream media is covering this, which is mostly that she's a black woman and she's been fired, and that proves that white supremacy is on the march, versus what's happening online, where I think people are trying to analyze this fairly honestly for the most part, or at least that's what I'm trying to do over here, and people are picking up on that. So Colin Wright, who I referenced earlier, he had a good tweet on this. He wrote, pre Elon Musk Twitter would have never allowed the Claudine Gay scandal to get off the ground. They would have gone on a banning, deboosting, and visibility filtering spree. It would have not been allowed to trend. Look what we can achieve when we aren't muzzled. And Elon Musk responded, yup. So this, again, it's one of those stories that proves the importance of free speech. And relating this to yesterday's show where Sam Harris was talking to uh, Jordan Peterson and basically saying, you know, Elon is just addicted to Twitter and he got, he bought Twitter for the $47 million just because he wants his ego stroked. And it's like, actually look what just happened because Elon got Twitter. We've started to expose some of the institutional rot and there absolutely, there's just no doubt that Colin is correct on that, right? Like had the old regime at Twitter been in place, we have no idea what the layers of censorship are, the de-boosting, visibility filtering, that's what they say, meaning you're following somebody, but you just don't see their tweets. We don't know whether the government might've gotten involved in silence people and a whole bunch more. So the point is right now we actually have some, I would say some between Twitter and Rumble, locals, et cetera, we have some of the tools to win and take these people out so we cannot stop. And speaking of a guy who does not stop, my friend Russell Brand uh, had a nice little, uh, a little uh, diatribe, a little diddly, let's say, on uh, how the truth is concealed and that you don't need grand conspiracies to pull things off. The truth is often concealed and manipulated when various interests appear to conspire to manage information in ways that seem advantageous to the interests of the powerful. Remember, you have to be careful about using the word conspiracy because as George Carlin always said, where interests converge, no conspiracy is necessary. These people went to the same universities oh, and please, fraternities. They're on the same boards simple. of directors. They're in the same country clubs. They have like interests. They yes. don't need to call a meeting. They know what's good for them. And we should play more George Carlin stuff. So yes, you don't need a grand conspiracy. When you, when you look around at the world right now and you go, how is all of this crazy stuff possible? How is it that we now make it so that if you're not racist, you're actually racist? And how is it that if you have a penis, we call you a girl and a whole bunch of other stuff? And it's like, well, there has been not a grand conspiracy per se, but a series of people who have attained power by going through these institutions, and they don't have to have a secret closed door meeting to pull off all of the bad ideas, right? You don't have to have Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates like get a group in a scary castle somewhere in Transylvania to sit around a table, like when they have like the, the evil Republican meetings in The Simpsons back in the day. You don't really need that. 
You just need a whole bunch of people that have run through the same institutions, that kind of think the same things, and play golf together, and go to the same restaurants and country clubs, and their lives are basically the same. And then it's not exactly a conspiracy when they're pushing all of this crap on you, right? And they never want their children to be learning any of this stuff, of course. They want public education to teach this crap while they have their children in little pods and private schools and charter schools and all of those other things. But the point, again, guys, is that if we don't stop, if we keep going when we have a win, then we will actually start seeing some results. And the results are actually happening right now. Check this out. This is from Abigail Anthony at the National Review. The early action applications for Harvard this cycle dropped by 17% from 9,553 in 2022 to 7,921 in 2023. So that means, and this is great news, that parents, I think it's mostly parents in this case, but maybe some of the kids too, are going, you know what? Maybe I don't need to get into all of that debt to go to Harvard. Maybe there's a young Asian kid out there who's like, you know what? It was the dream. It was my dream. It was the dream of my parents and everybody else to get into Harvard. But turns out that that place discriminates against me. And even though I do have better grades than the people they're letting in, maybe I don't need to walk out of that place with a crappy education where I'm gonna be discriminated against, not treated well, also not really learn much of anything, and then I'll be discriminated against also when I get into the workforce because I'm Asian. Maybe I should just extrapolate myself from that, get out of that system and go somewhere else. So that's happening to Harvard right now. But I wanna continue with this theme that we cannot stop. And you know why we can't stop? because I just illustrated how we're, we're winning because of what's happening on Twitter so we can expose some of this stuff, right? Chris Rufo, actually all of the documents that were exposed about Claudine Gay, and you can actually see the copy paste jobs that she did, this was all exposed on Twitter. So what is the machine gonna do? Well, it's gonna keep pushing for censorship. Let's go up to New York and Kathy Hochul, governor of New York, uh, she's moving on more social media censorship. We also talked about, I mentioned social media a number of times. I've called upon and working closely with our attorney general to identify what's going on in social media. Those questions are now part of our background checks. Uh, just like in the old days, you talk to someone's neighbor. Uh, now you can talk to their neighbors online and find out whether or not this person has been spouting uh, you know, philosophies that indicate that they have been radicalized and that's how we protect our citizens. Oh, philosophy is whether they've been radicalized, but what will that actually mean? And once the government starts doing that, is, not, is that not an infringement on your First Amendment? And what are radical views? Is it a radical view to say that we should not be racist, we should be colorblind, that we should judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin? Well, I don't know, depends what she thinks, I suppose. And that is the problem, and that's why they are constantly trying to censor Twitter and they are trying to censor you and everything else. So again, we keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. And then there's another piece of it that will uh, wrap this show with a nice little bow. The other piece is that when you push and push and push and you get wins, you also have to make some decisions for yourself. You have to look around you and go, do I live in a community that is like-minded enough to feel like my family can flourish here? Can I accomplish the things that I want to accomplish? Do I live in a place that has I don't know, clean streets and doesn't have drug 
addicts all over the place and homeless people everywhere? And can I open up a store if that's what I wanna do? Or do I feel safe going to work? All of those things, are my kids gonna learn decent things at school? And you might look around, if many of you are watching this in blue states or blue cities right now, you might be looking around going, man, that, that's not really working out. And you know what you can do? You can pick up. You can pick up your life and you can move somewhere else. That is the beauty of the United States. It is the beauty of federalism. What a brilliant, brilliant idea our founders had with the Federalist Papers that the states were gonna mostly be in charge. So that laboratory, as Dennis Prager calls it, would constantly be going, oh, that law's over there in that state, this law's over here in this state, that state taxes you high, this state taxes you low. You could figure out where you wanna move as opposed to having to leave the country, which is what you have to do in most other countries. I relate all of this because last night on Fox News, Sean Hannity, born and bred, in New York City, born in New York City, has lived in Long Island for I think about four decades. He is officially leaving New York and moving to the free state of Florida. In fact, tonight we are now broadcasting from my new home, the great free state of Florida. Like so many Americans, I left New York for good and am now in the state with, let's see, warmer weather, law and order, better education, more freedom, uh, better quality of life, and guess what? No state income tax. Ain't rocket science. It ain't rocket science. I just have no doubt. Let, let's reach out to Sean. We should do something live here in Florida with him and just talk about that. He just had it. Like, think about it. Sean Hattie, the guy's probably worth 50 million bucks. Like, this isn't a money, you know, he says the tax thing at the end, but it wasn't about taxes. That got him there, right? Like, all his roots are in New York. As I said, born in New York City. Um, but he looked around. He was doing his show every day from that office in, in Midtown and looking around going, boy, this ain't New York City that it used to be. It doesn't really feel safe here. There are mobs calling for genocide. That's a problem when I'm on my way to work. I think I'm gonna move to the free state of Florida. Anyway, it might make you think about something as we roll into the beginning of the year. Guys, People of the Internet is live at 1 p.m. And if you wanna join us for the post-game show right now, rubenreport.locals.com. And we did not mention the elderly man running for president during the show today. So we leave you with a cold close of Joseph R. Biden. Enjoy. <clears throat> and action. Well, every morning, well, let me put it this way, at least four mornings a week. S sorry, cut, we have to cut. I've written extensively as a, when I was a law professor. Okay, you know what, no, nope. cut. Our, in our, our administration, the financial collapse, the jobs they lost and how they never got back to where they needed to be. Funny. Okay, you know, are cut. you kidding me? We organize the world, um, but, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, what's going, what, look, the only thing I know something about is the vice presidency. Come on, cut this noise. Is I think over 130 or 40 million people. This, this, this is bullshit. Instead of having in the, in minority communities, I'm making the number up. Things that are out there that, that people, I'm sorry, I didn't turn off. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast.
And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubenreport.locals.com.